Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation today. I took notes during this. You're going to want to take notes through it as well. Kevin Queen is a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. He took over Crosspoint Church. They're an incredible church doing great stuff in Middle Tennessee. And he's been through a lot, dealt with a lot of difficult things. And I think you're going to find he's got a keen insight to Scripture and listening to God that uh, you're going to want. And he's going to give you some secrets as to how. I was taking some great notes on this, and you're going to want that as well. As always, we're sponsored by Compassion. Go to Compassion.com slash Rusty, and you can sponsor a child. Love to have you join the many people that have already done that as we move towards trying to sponsor 1,000 kids. So make sure you do that as we continue our passion to help kids around the world. Well, you're going to love this conversation. You're going to be thinking of other pastors or friends you want to share it with. So make sure you do that. Here's my conversation with Pastor Kevin Queen. Well, Kevin Queen, thank you so much for joining us here on Leading Simple. Uh, For our audience who may not know you, give us just you in a nutshell, you know, who are you, where are you from, and all your sports allegiances, which we have to figure out. Rusty, it's, it's great to be on, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. Just I've enjoyed your friendship and um, and your encouragement along the way and uh, in, the, in this podcast. So I'm grateful to get some hang time. Um, just to kind of give you some backstory on, um, on me. I'm, I'm married to uh, to Ree Queen. She is, uh, I've been chasing her since eighth grade, met her in eighth grade at the movie theater. She's an identical twin. And, uh, and I was like, I like the one on the right. I mean, they look the same, but I was drawn to Ree and, uh, and just pursued her in ninth grade. She told me that, uh, that we were just going to be friends. And man, I was like, I'm going to be the best friend you ever had. Yeah. You played the long game. I did long game friend zone before I even knew what that was. And uh, in, in college at the University of Georgia, we got married. We, we, we started dating and we dated for uh, for four years. Got married in 2000, which is like the best year to get married. I'm sorry <laughs> for folks who missed it because like, you know how long you've been married. Um, it's Ooh, easy, to, easy to count. Yeah. And, uh, and so we've, uh, we've, we have four kids. Raleigh, Camden, Durham and Bolton, all named after cities in North Carolina. Mm. And, uh, and we're not from there. We just... We picked Raleigh and kept going. And when they were five, we took them to their city so they could like they could see their name. We thought that would be cool to see their name on the signs, and uh, and they actually they actually started thinking that uh, that like those were their cities, and so it just fed like narcissism. And so we'll <laughs> we'll pay for that, man. We'll, uh, we'll pay for that. So that's that's our family. We Re and I have, we've been married. Um, we've married almost twenty two years, and. Uh, and it's just been, uh, yeah, it's been exciting, exciting journey along the way. I am um, from Lawrenceville, Georgia, which is like Northeast Atlanta, Gwinnett County. It's about a million people in Gwinnett County and mm. Lawrenceville is the county seat. My whole family's from there. All of our family was in like an eight mile radius. And so, um, I worked at 12 stone church, which, uh, which was a wonderful church to be at. I was there for 14 years and, uh, with pastor Kevin Myers and pastor Dan Ryland. And, uh, it was just, it was the most formative. I'd, I'd gone through seminary master's doctorate, all that, but that was the most formative time for me in ministry and leadership being under their, uh, under their leadership was an incredible experience. And, uh, we got to see the church grow in just, um, incredible ways. And it was, it was, uh, after 12 stone ended up coming to, uh, coming to cross point. But like you asked about my uh, sports allegiances, I'm proud to talk about that this year. I because, bet you uh, are wife and I, gra- yeah, my wife and I graduated from Georgia, go dogs. And, uh, <laughs> And we uh, and we're huge Braves fans. That's our connection back to Atlanta. We watch the Braves fans. We watch Braves games every um, 
every night they're on. Yeah. And so, uh, so that was, that was an amazing year. So, well, that kind of makes up for the Falcons and the Hawks. So good for you, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> so they broke, Falcons broke my heart. I'm a Titans fan now. I, oh, I had, okay. to, had to move on I moved up here. I, I did <laughs> had to move on after, after the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's uh that's probably a good plan. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to have you. And I've wanted to talk to you for a while on a couple things. First of all, we have a lot of listeners that have worked in churches as an associate, and then they make the jump to be the, the lead guy. Um, that's sometimes a, an eye-opening experience. That's sometimes a, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And sometimes it's a wonderful experience. You know, what, what do you feel like you learned the most in making that transition from being an assistant coach to a head coach? Uh, what did you not know? What do you feel like you were prepared well for? Talk me through that a little bit. Right. Um, I think, you know, one thing I would just encourage is, is don't get out of, don't get out in front of God with that. Um, you know, when Paul talks to me, he says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Mm. And so I think um, there's just, there's a journey in life of trying to discern godly ambition from selfish ambition. And, uh, and so as we try to mm. try to discern, I think, I think to be able to rest in the position that we're in, whatever position that is, and let God prepare us for the position or for the opportunity that he has for us. And sometimes we try to get out in front of God out of out of selfish ambition. Mm. And uh, and so I think it's it's worth before taking the leap, uh, it's worth um, taking plenty of time, move slow to find out, is it. Is it my unhealthy ambition that's moving me toward this opportunity, or is it truly something that God is leading me toward? Mm. Um, because D. Martin Lloyd Jones said the worst thing that can happen to a man is that he succeeds before he's ready. Mm. And wow, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so that that I think I think we just have to make sure that we don't succeed before we're ready. And and getting ready is a is a long road. Mm. And it takes a lot of preparation. And, you know, it took a it took quite a while between the time when David was anointed to be king and to when he actually um, had that place of leadership. Mm -hmm. And God used some really painful circumstances to form um, the heart in him that that he could trust with with that seat, with that position, with the crown. So, wow, that's that's such good insight there, because you think about it from the outside looking in, you think, boy, Saul's being disobedient. Saul's holding this seat longer than he should, but maybe it wasn't so much about Saul. It was about prepping David yes. to be ready for that role. How did you know you were ready? Um, so at, at 12 Stone, you know, I was a campus pastor, and I've been a campus pastor for, for 10, gosh, it was, I was a student pastor for four years there. I was a campus pastor for 10 years, and I just kept walking through um, every every nudge there along the way, and so I would be have more teaching opportunity. I teach maybe ten to twelve times a year, and um, and I started to have this this sense of um, of transition, hmm. and that's there was like an internal um, kind of uproot. My wife's mom talks about it this way. She said. She said, the hands of God come down underneath the plant and like just begin to gently uproot. God never uproots and just pulls up in a moment. He gently uproots over time. You know, he's a he's a he's a masterful gardener. And uh, and so he's gentle with the roots. And uh, and so there was just this slow. We didn't know what was going on, but there was a slow uprooting. And uh, and we thought maybe that it means that there's going to be a transition internally at 12 Stone. Yeah. And um, and it was in January of 2017, down in my prayer closet, down in my basement, where I just began to sense the whisper of God. I want you to go to Crosspoint. And um, and I knew that Crosspoint was without a lead pastor. I didn't really know much about the church or have much experience with the church, but um, didn't know anybody you know that was on staff at the church. But just had that whisper of God. And Rusty, I just I prayed into that whisper of God for January, for February, 
Mar I didn't even tell Ray. I, I just wrote it in my journal. You know, just every day I'd come and I say, God, I'm not going to knock on that door. You'll have to send them to come get mm. me. You know, and there was so, so I would say like that moving slowly and letting God open the door rather than moving fast and, um, and running through a door that, that, that God hasn't yet opened. And uh, we usually end up running into it or barging one open before, before his time. And so just mm. being willing to trust, to let God open doors and, uh, and just following the next nudge and the next nudge and the next nudge. Don't you find now that you're in this seat and you're at the top of the food chain, so to speak, you have people on your staff that you appreciate when they're ambitious, but yet you also know when it's a little too much, you know, they're, they're pushing down a door and that kind of thing. What would you say to them, almost saying to your former self, of the right amount of letting your boss know you're ready for the next challenge without putting yourself through that door that's not yet opened? Well, I'd love to take you back to when I was at 12 Stone. There was a time, probably one of my best worst stories at 12 Stone, uh, was when there was, I'll give you two. There was one to where um, Pastor Kevin, he told me, he said, Kevin, I want you to teach 10 to 12 times a year. And there was a there was a day when um, when I was like I wasn't feeling like I was getting as many opportunities. And here's the story I told myself: This is not good stewardship of the gifts that God's given me. Right? I need uh, I need twelve stone. I need Pastor Kev. I mean, there was pride. Right? I need I need them to to be better stewards of the gifts that God's given. And yes, and it was and I and I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get on iTunes and I'm gonna count how many times I've gotten to speak over the past year. And I'm gonna I'm gonna count how many times so that I have some ammunition to be able to go and talk with Pastor Kevin that you said. And uh, and I just sensed the, I sensed the Spirit say, I mean, I was down at the computer ready. And I sensed God said, don't count. Almost like the David, hey, don't take a census. You know, like, <laughs> and it was, it was like, no, I'm going to, and I was like, no, nah, okay, I'm not going to count. And the next, the next day, Pastor Kevin was at work and Pastor Kevin said, hey, I want to talk with you about how many speaking opportunities, how many teaching opportunities that you're going to get next year. And let me give you, an, and he gave me another opportunity. Wow. And it was like God just saying, Kevin, will you trust me that it's not necessarily, oh, it's my stewardship of the gift. Yes, the parable of the talents, but at the same time, just trusting that that opportunities are up to God. Mm. And if I really, and you know, if, if somebody's going, hey, I want to speak more, I want to speak more. What Pastor Kevin told me, he said, Kevin, if you've got the gift there's more platforms than 12 stone. Hmm. Like people are going to ask you to come and speak in other places and other environments if you make yourself available. So rather than just looking for the biggest platform, right, be open to any platform hmm. and let that gift and gifts are just going to rise in the organization. Hmm. So that's, that's one story. You ready for my worst one, man? Oh, I can't wait. Good. So Pastor Kevin, I, uh, I was really feeling like just, I was really feeling that ambition, like rise up and, and not knowing is it selfish ambition or godly ambition, and not knowing like, okay, and this was probably, I'd been at 12 stone for maybe, I'd been at 12 stone for maybe, um, let's see, this is probably seven years before I, before I left. Mm. Um, so I've been there, I've been there a while and, uh, been there about seven years and pastor Kevin was at, uh, I was thinking, man, I, I need, I need the next opportunity. I next need that next challenge. And so I called up a man in the congregation named Steve, and uh, and Steve is a high level leader, high octane. I sit down with Steve, and I uh, we we meet up at Ted's Montana Grill, where they had the you know the the kind of they've got the little uh, booths where you can have private conversations, you know. And uh, and I don't know if Ted's is a thing. Do you guys have Ted's out there? No, but I've been to one in uh, Marietta, and it was amazing. So eating yeah. bison burgers, man, and uh, and and yeah, talking black eyed peas. Like mm -hmm. I'd be the whole deal. And so Steve's Steve's giving me great coaching and I'm talking with him. I don't know, you know, what my next is and what God what God has. And um 
And so I write out my whole conversation with Steve to me. And when I'm getting ready to go speak, I, uh, I go to, I go to print it and it doesn't, it doesn't print. And then I go to print it again and it doesn't print. And finally I printed another printer and go and get it. Well, I started to think, why did it not print? Why did it not print? And then I realized I was at another campus and our IT guys were amazing. They had all of our campuses wired together. I didn't know it, but I was printing the details of my conversation to the central campus printer. <laughs> and so the, the secretary, the admin there at the central campus, she finds it. And up at the top, it says Kevin. And so she thinks Kevin Myers. So she goes and gives it to Pastor Kevin, slides it under his door for <laughs> Pastor Kevin Myers. So he walks in and he finds like my detail record. And it says with Steve, you know, with Steve, with the guy's name. And so he finds the whole conversation of my, you know, my wrestling. Oh spot. my. And then it hits me. Oh my goodness. I have sent that conversation. Past it. So I so I call Central Campus and I, I ask them, I asked the, the admin, I said, Hey, did you happen to find some on the printer? And she said, she said, yeah, she said, um, she said, I did, but it said Kevin. So I gave it to Pastor and I just melt. I'm like, got it. this is horrible. So, so I call, I call Pastor Kevin and, uh, and he, I, I call him. I say, Hey, Pastor Kevin, he says, hello. <laughs> so he like, and he just played it so cool. And I was like, did you, did you happen to, he's like, well, tell me about it. You know, and we had a conversation and he narrow it down for me. So it just narrowed down. And so we had a conversation about it and he was so gentle mm. like his gentleness and he wasn't threatened and he let me share and he let me talk and he let me express my wonderings and i'm sure i was such a punk you know and he just mm. he just he, he led me through it and he said kevin he said i don't have you i don't have a problem with you having these these questions these wonderings these he said the only thing that i would caution you he said is the way you took and i didn't have a relationship with steve Steve had a relationship with, with pastor Kevin. Hmm. He said, so, so you took a conversation that I would want you to have with me and you took it to somebody else who you wouldn't hmm. know if it wasn't for me, for the relationship, for the church. So I don't have a question. I don't have a problem with you taking these conversations elsewhere. You just have to be careful where you take these conversations. Right. And I thought like, That's... thank you so much for that wisdom of those guys. We, we need, we need that that wisdom. We need the the like when Eli to Samuel. You know, we need um, the ministry of Eli in our lives. We need those people who have gone before us. We need Joshua's need the most. They need the conversations. But just be careful who you have the conversations. You know, conversations with, and uh, especially inside inside the church. And so that mm. that really did. I, first, the thing that that marked me was his grace and his gentleness and the way that he responded to me, and. Uh, and that made it to where we could have conversations, you know, in the future and, uh, wow. And it opened things up there. So, yeah. So those are, those are two things as you sort through, is it, is it selfish ambition or godly ambition? I think find those wise voices that will help you sort through and then also, um, process it in a cave before you probably with God alone with God before you process it, um, publicly. So, well, and it's also a great reminder to check which printer you're actually using. I mean, that's that's the main. That's the life the lesson. That's, that is, that is, that's right. <laughs> oh so oh man, I feel for you. Okay, I want to ask you about something, and 
I've heard you speak now several times, and some of it's just in our time we've had together already, and you have such brilliant and interesting insight into scriptures I've read a thousand times and never thought about before, whether it's what we just talked about with David. Um, I heard you on a podcast, I think it was Carrie's podcast, talking about uh, the dolphin skins that were used for the tabernacle. Where'd they get those? It must have been when they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, this is fascinating. I never even thought about that. So tell me, is that just uh, something that just comes natural for you? Um, does that come out of your devotional time with God, out of your study time? Tell me how you interact with Scripture uh, as you're either prepping for a message or personally, and how does God kind of speak to you in those days and you, you kind of get these insights and you jot them down? What's your process there of collecting these great thoughts about God and His, his Word? Oh, that's a, I feel like you're talking about somebody else right now. <laughs> you, know, like, it's like, uh, you know, because because really, I mean, anything that I've gained or ga gathered along the way has come through just some great Bible teachers or some, you know, some great... Mm. Um, messages that I've listened to, books that I've read, occasionally, on occasion, there will be something that I feel like God you know, gives me. And then I start doing research and I find somebody else had it like years ago. Yeah. There truly is nothing nothing new under the sun. But Nothing new. But, That's right. Uh, but I, I look for those moments where something makes, and this is going to sound like, where something makes my baby leap. You know what I'm talking about? Like when, when Elizabeth, <laughs> yes. Elizabeth is with Mary, you know, and she's like, my baby just left. And like those moments where you're like, man, something just jumped inside of me. And and I know like, huh. I know that what, what moved me, I try to keep track of like what moved me because I know if it moved me, then it will help move somebody. And the whole point is moving us all closer to Christ. And so if something moved me in that moment, well, then I want to get it down. I want to make a scrap. I want to like a, like in a quilt, you know, I want to get that little, Little, uh, full. So I had a I had a friend talk with me the other day, and uh, a friend Chip and Chip said this. He said, and I thought this is great. He said, um, he said, do you know when Moses was talking with with God at the burning bush, and God said, I am the God of your father. He said that got Moses' attention. I said, what do you mean? He said, other time God says I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he says I am the God of your father. But that got Moses' attention. I said, well, you, why did it get Moses' attention? He said, because Moses didn't know his father. Oh, wow. And Moses like, you know my, you know my dad? Because I don't know my dad. Mm. I've only known Pharaoh, but I've never known my dad. So if you know my dad, I'm going with you. And God knew the thing that would get Moses' attention. Wow. Was this place in him where he longed for a father. And so he still might not know his father, but he's like, I know the one who knows my father. And so, so I heard that when Chip shared that with me, I was like, mm. that's good. Well, l let me just uh, yeah. stop you there because that's what I'm talking about. And it doesn't always just come you and God in the cave. It, sometimes it's a, it's a friendship. Sometimes it's a podcast. It's a book or yeah. whatever. How do you collect that? How do you keep it? So Evernote. Um, okay. So I'll, use take, Evernote. I'll take, I'll use Evernote. So I, and I know they're like, people who need analog Bibles. They need like they need to read the book they can hold in their hands. And I know there's some people when I say I read Bible on Kindle, they're like yeah. sacrilege. Yeah. You know? But like for, for me, the system that works for me is daily I'll open up my iPad and I I will have in the have the iPad that I use in my devotional time and I open up one I can make two different windows. I got a window with a Kindle and then a window with Evernote. Right. And so when I'm reading the scriptures I'm reading it, you know, it's devotional. I'm not preparing for a message. 
I'm asking God, would you would you speak to me? So I start out with a with a prayer that I pray most every day that just kind of sets my heart right with God. And then I begin with gratitude. Then after gratitude, I'll move into the scripture reading. And in that scripture reading, I'm I'm writing down those insights, the curiosities, the things that I'm seeing, the, seeing the things that stir up like, man, I need to go back with that. It's got I do the one year Bible. So I know every day what, I, what what's for me to read. And so I'm reading those and I'm trying to make the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament in that day. And so I'm asking myself, are there any connections that day? Then connecting it with the Psalms and with the with the Proverbs. And there's something about Dan Ryland at 12 Stone, mm-hmm. Pastor Dan, uh, the, like the best the most formative thing that anyone has ever told me in my life, he said, if you want to build a relationship, a prayer life, he said, you need to pick a time, pick a place and have a plan. He said mm. that you, and for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back through, I'd been through, I had a master's degree, but I'd never read the Bible through like from, you know, from beginning to, to end. I'd, I'd studied every book in seminary, sure. but I'd never read the Bible through. And a friend told me one time, he's like, you should do that. <laughs> it's like, just so, why not? Why have you not? And I think for me, because I never had a plan. Yeah. And so what Dan helped me with was, Dan, pick a, pick a time, pick a place and have a plan. And I would just put it on the calendar and just made that meeting every single day and push the day around to do it in the morning. Because somebody told me one time, they said, hey, you never tune an instrument after the concert. Hmm. Like you always tune an instrument before the concert. So, uh, so attune your soul to heaven before your day. Uh-huh. And so some of those things just coming together, like made that such a winsome idea of going, how do I start my day with God? And Dan gave me a formula that, that became, so I'm, so I go through graduate. And then when I'm moving through scripture, I'm looking for those, those insights along the way. And then I do something where I call it reviewing game film. Okay. And where I'll go back through the day before and just mentally just go, okay, what, what happened the day before? What, what moved me? What did I see? What article, what book, what, you know, what movie, what conversation? And then I'm just jotting things down Okay. in, in Evernote. And the gift of Evernote is that you can do a word search so I could go back through. So, you know, later on, if I want to pull up something on a specific, specific topic, I can just pull it up and I've just got, not only do I have my history with God, but I've got I've got snapshots along the way through that game film. Oh, that's good. And sometimes with that game film, you got to be careful, Rusty. Somebody got because God will bring something up from the day before that you need to go back or that I need to go back and to apologize, you know, to somebody for or to to deal with to make things right. Um. So yeah. So that game film is is a uh, is helpful, you know, when it comes to taking taking those uh, so good those moments and capturing those moments. And, you know, that's so good. Hey, let me interrupt this podcast for just a second. We put together a really great resource to help you help people with their faith after they've crossed the line of faith. So for those who've been baptized recently, or maybe they're making a decision for Christ on an Easter weekend, hand them this short little book called A Simple Path to Following Jesus to help them in their faith journey. You can find it on Amazon, A Simple Path to Following Jesus, or check it out on my website, PastorRustyGeorge.com. Okay, back to our conversation. Okay, uh, so I want to transition to this. Um, you go in to Cross Point. You're the new lead pastor. You're not from there. You're not from within the organization. Uh, they are coming off uh, the the resignation of their founding pastor. It's a very difficult season. There's probably been some staff that have left, some people that have left, and you bring in not just a new leadership, because you're new, but a vision for more worship and prayer. 
kind of taken the church in a little bit of a different direction. Help us understand that journey and what that looked like to kind of move the needle in that direction. Yeah. You know, I think I think the thing that was most um, most helpful was the leadership team that was in place when I when I came in. So they had created a a, a leadership team that had really brought stability um, to the to the church. So the elders, the leadership team, really came together, and really they had already come together and started kind of in that journey of prayer. Like there was, they said, desperation is the language of the kingdom. And so there was just there was a desperation for God and for God to move. So while they're saying, hey, God's answered our prayers and he's brought us a, a lead pastor, I'm going, God's answered our prayers and he's brought us together. And so there was this there was this beautiful um, desperation that was already and And Jeff Henderson told me something one time. He said, Kevin, he said, um, Crosspo- Crosspoint doesn't need a savior. Um, they already have a savior. Crosspoint needs a pastor. And that word for me, just go, man. I I don't know how to be a savior, but but God's called me to be a pastor. And I knew through the circumstances and through his through his word and through you know, affirmation of other people. Through I mean, I, it was signs, wonders, miracles. Really, I knew that God had called us here, re, and I knew that that was what God had for us. So there was already uh, a stability and a a a pointing toward a desperation for God. Um. I think one of the gifts, you know, you, you when you step into um, there's only there's only two ways to become a point leader. Either you start something or you inherit something. And both of them are really hard. Mm. So I, I think, you know, I look at church planners and I'm like, church planners are the are the MVPs. I mean, you know, that, no kidding. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I really admire and respect, um, you know, those who are who are founders and who are who are leaders and then. I really respect people who who step in and and do transitional and successional leadership and 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 unplanned succession. I mean, so there's planned succession, and unplanned succession, and and somebody was one time I heard heard him say, he said, you know what, unplanned succession is like it's like walking into a movie theater an hour after the movie starts, looking up on the screen and trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Like, who is that guy and who are they? You know, and you're trying to figure out the plot. You're trying to figure out the story. So one of the gifts is that you don't know the culture before. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of the gifts. You don't know all the problems and you don't want to know. Like, you just don't want to know all the, you want to know some of the things, but you don't want to know all the, yeah. you don't want, you don't want the water to be poisoned. You know, and I think, mm. I think the danger can be, I want to have, I want to ask all the questions and find out all the things. And I'm like, man, there's. Part of the gift is not having all the all the information about um, about every person. Yeah, I want to I want to I want to be able to come in and say, okay, God, what's the vision that you have for us for us here? And fortunately, the, that leadership team did an amazing job of like welcoming me in, and then at the same time saying, hey, we want to follow like we want to follow the vision that that God gives. And it took time for that vision to to form. Mm-hmm. Um, but until the until the vision and the vision's still forming, it's not like you know, it's not like. Um, it printed off on a computer at the center. Like this is the this is the vision. It, especially after the past two years ago, like vision is still still forming. But the vision for um, for renewal in our church, for revival in our city, and for awakening across Middle Tennessee, that was something that God wrote on my heart before I even stepped foot on the footprint. <laughs> of the build uh, where Crosspoint yep. is like there was, it was before we even drove North on God had already set that vision in our heart. 
And uh, and the only way I knew to get to that vision was through was through prayer. Yeah. And so just invited the invited the staff and invited the team to come. Hey, let's pray together. And man, I, in the scriptures it talks about I will pour out a spirit of prayer and grace, a spirit of supplication and grace. And I feel like God did that. I feel like He poured out a spirit of prayer on us as a church. And man, some of the most praying people. I mean, just some intercessors and um, and our, our, our staff really responded to that. So every Tuesday we gather and pray from from 11 to 12. And we've done that for the past you know, almost five years, four and a half years um, together. And it is my favorite, favorite hour of the week. And it's not required. Staff doesn't have to come. Um, they're just invited. And uh, and a lot of them do. And I don't take role. But it is it is beautiful to see what God's done in that time of prayer and worship for us. So mm. that's that's the the story. I mean, and again, you know, we've been through a lot. Everybody's been through a lot the past the past two years, and uh, and I feel like that heartbeat of of prayer is really what's helped carry us through. I think it got used it to help heal. It was almost like when we get together and pray from eleven to twelve. It was like I don't know. You've been to a chiropractor. Hmm, yes. Chiropractor, like you get that adjustment, like we would get that adjustment, but they're like, hey, come back. Like you're going to, it's not just like a one time, but, but there was just this continual adjustment um, of, the, of the spine of, of our church where really that became, um, became prayer for us. And we say it this way. We say prayer is not the only thing we do. It's the first thing we do. Hmm. And uh, so just trying to build that. And we've seen that build into the, uh, into the culture. Um, so when you say it's the first thing you do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think um, you know it's the it's the first thing we do when there's um, when there's trouble when there's a when there's a crisis. It's the first thing we do in a meeting. It's the first thing we do um, in the day. Personally, it's the first thing that we we do. You know, we we try to give. So February is a month of prayer and fasting for us. You know, so we 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 set that as a as a as a time in the and we don't do it in January, but we do it in February, kind of starting out with first um it's the first thing we do with our volunteer and so i'm seeing this mm. like trickle down through into where you know there will be people praying there'll be volunteers i got a in slack there was a story from this past uh, past sunday where just somebody just said hey there was a volunteer who had she was saying she was having carpal tunnel syndrome she was having problems with her wrist because of typing and one of the other volunteers said hey we should pray about that and like so you're seeing mm. you know equipping the work like that's that first response is prayer. Um, I think it was Corey Tim Boone said where where prayer is not the it's not the spare tire, it's the steering wheel. Mm. You know, so it's like the first thing that we go to um, mm. in prayer, and the staff has taken hold of that, and it's just been, it's been remarkable to remarkable to see and to experience, man. Okay, I love that you talked about this as kind of a holistic approach because typically pastors just think about the hour on Sunday, but from the perspective of the hour on Sunday. How did you change what goes on on the weekend service? And for those that don't know, historically, Cross Point has been a little bit more of a uh, attractional type of ministry, uh, seeker-sensitive, those kind of things. And, and you've made some shifts there to create more non-downloadable experiences, as we would say. Uh, but you know, tell me about some of the tweaks you made uh, to even just the weekend service. So I think tweaks were already being made when I when I before I came in. So, um, Drew Powell is a creative pastor. Um, Matt Warren, you know, some of that, Chris Nichols, uh, Kevin, Co like they, they had already begun to kind of take a, a shift maybe because, because when, 
you know, when there was the when there was a transition, um, there were four people on the executive team and three of them um, stepped down. So there was only one person. So you had this mm. you had this transition of leaders, which already began to bring a transition of, of culture. And so it wasn't just let's run the old playbook. There was there was already a sense of, OK, what's next? What's next yep. for us? And I would say we just um, we began to we began to accelerate and move. So there was already things moving more toward um um, I'd say like maybe um, I'll, I'll just say more toward worship, more toward um, extended time in worship, more toward maybe some more spontaneous moments. Um, you know, it's OK every night to go off the click track. You know, so there was like some of those there was like maybe more um, more more prayer in the in the service, maybe more response or giving people opportunities to respond. You know, some of those things that that we might look at in and and say that things have things have changed there was already the the car was already starting to move in that in that direction um and so i'd say we just we 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 locked eyes and committed together this is the way we're going so we talk about it this way um the attractional word spirit vent like venn diagram have i talked no, to you no have i you love this about that? Okay. so like you have the attractional church you have the and we use this a lot and we'll talk about it with our with our staff so we call it AWS, where you've got, if you imagine like a Venn diagram, one circle being attractional, one circle being uh, word, and one, one circle being spirit. And R.T. Kendall said that uh, that revival takes place when the word and spirit comes together. He says there been a great, there's been a divorce in the church today, a divorce between word and spirit. You have word churches and we have spirit churches. And then you look at it and so you have attractional churches. Mm -hmm. And so... What happens is what we say, hey, let's let's together, let's work on this experiment of bringing together attractional, which the best of an attractional church is a love for people. Right. And creating, creating, creating great experiences for people and encounter, you know, mm -hmm. the good, the gospel. Yeah. And so we like yeah. there's this love for people. And there's this great already. There was this infrastructure and this heart at Crosspoint. Like we want to serve our city. We want to want to get people outside the walls through um through through serving and through through loving our city really, really well. And so we're going, that's the most, you know, that's the redemptive piece of the attractional church where there's, and we're looking for lost people. We're looking for people who are far from God. And so there's this, you know, there, there's a scripture that says um, excellence, talks about the excellence. I'm trying to go through the Proverbs in my head. Um, see the man who's excellent in what he does, he will serve kings and not obscure men, right? So it talks about that excellence is will lead us to serve kings and not obscure men. And I was reading that verse one day and just this, it hit me that that is the way you do excellence and you do excellent work is you serve obscure people as if they're kings. Hmm. And that's what I already saw at Crosspoint was this desire. We want to roll out the red carpet for people. We say everybody's welcome, no matter where they've been, what they've done. We want to serve them like they're kings. And I think when you do that well, kings are attracted to excellence. And that's what the attractional church brings is like this, this love for we want to do things well. But then it's like we also want to want to be a people of the word. We want to be people of discipleship. We want to be gospel centered. We want to hold the gospel at the center of all that we do. We want to take people somewhere in the scriptures. We want to teach truth. So attractional, we got great grace. The word, we got great truth. Those things can go to And then we've got the spirit. And what we talk about, like, man, the spirit will be church of prayer and of worship. So like. How do we bring all those those things together? And there's a tension within, but I'm like, attractional word, spirit, like we see that in Jesus. Yeah. You know, we see that yeah. those things come together. So that that helps us really kind of frame up um, 
what we're what we're going after together. Okay, um, let me get real practical because I I nerd out on this stuff. How long's your worship service? And give me kind of a template. It's not this way every week, but this is kind of what happens: three songs, host moment, bumper, teaching. How long? I'll, just walk me through it. Yeah. So it, you know, it probably looks. I don't know. I mean, it may look similar to what a lot of other churches do, but but we'll services. Okay. Typically, sixty-five minutes. So. Like, Whereas before we'd say it needs to be 60 every week. Now we've said, hey, we just need five minutes just, mm. just to begin, you know, see which direction the wind is blowing, you know. And uh, and so the five minutes are, are helpful for us. And so 65 is where we go, you know, we'll and we'll start out with a with a welcome and then we'll go into to worship, usually three, maybe four songs, and then we'll go with a camp campus pastor will step up um, and you know lead people in in giving or making um, if there, we try to push announcements toward um, toward other forms of communication, and so really the campus pastor can can shepherd in that moment. Hmm. And then usually in there somewhere, there's some kind of storytelling. So we we want to be gr- we want to be great. We want to be excellent at telling at telling stories of what God's doing. I mean, I think that stories beget stories, right? And so so whether it's a baptism story, whether it's a giving story, whether it's a life, you know, story of life change. So we're every week we want to tell some kind of story. We want to highlight some kind of story of what what God's doing and what that does for us as a coda. And every staff meeting, whenever we pull together staff, we spend time telling stories before we do anything else because what we how we talk about it is we want to keep. Uh, an emphasis on stories over stats, you know, and that became really uh, valuable for us during COVID world, right? I mean, because we're right. like, you know, it's like, it's like when my kids first started playing golf, you know, and they were like, dad, we have write down my score. I'm like, hey, we're just going to put the scorecard away. <laughs> we're, like, we're just going to have fun. You know? That's right. And, and that is what I felt like during COVID was like, hey, let's just put the scorecard away. Let's just get back to having fun. You know, let's just get back to having fun in ministry and let's celebrate one at a time, one baptism at a time, one life change. So our stories are the way that we we celebrate. And it might be a story of healing. It might be a miracle. We're, we'll try to celebrate a story. And then uh, and then we'll get into the teaching and teaching is usually 35, 35 minutes. And then there's sometimes there's some kind of response um, after that. There's a prayer response, guided response, um, some kind of song worship. So, yeah. Probably, probably similar to a lot of different, a uh, lot of different churches, a lot of different places. But we've started to incorporate more ministry time at the platform at the end of the service, where we have, you know, trained uh, prayer team that'll be down front just for people to come and to and to be prayed for and uh, and to get the person, the guy, like you say, the, the undownloadable um, experience, you know, yeah. that we're able to. That's so good, man. I feel like we could talk for hours on this. This is such great stuff. And I mean, your church has, you've been through a lot from the resignation of a pastor to changing a culture. We didn't even talk about dealing with a tornado. I mean, goodness, welcome to being lead pastor, you know, blew your church away. So, I mean, you guys have certainly, you came in, you laid a a framework and a foundation of prayer. And I I would venture to say it carried you through all of this. Wouldn't you say? I do. I think I think it was um, I think it was certainly prayer. I think there were some things that were already in play that God had had prepared us, um, you know, with with some of the some of the digital work, digital discipleship and some of the some of the direction that we were already already heading and and that we were able to, you know, when a tornado hits your broadcast campus, it's like, where how are we going to film messages? You know, how are we going to do this? And and that team was already so gifted and so, you know, 
God had already given us a tool to use. And so we just went around and filmed messages all across Middle Tennessee. So we were filming like in a sheep farm. We were filming, you know, in a, in a field somewhere. We filmed, we, we filmed down, you know, downtown Nashville when nobody was there, when nobody was on the streets, you know, so during uh, when, when everything was on lockdown. So we were like picking out the, the coolest places to, to film mess because, and somebody's like, man, I was so creative. Like you guys did that. And I'm like, we had no building. <laughs> like we had no choice. Like, our, our building got hit by a tornado. So, um, so, but, but the creativity of that team and what they were able to produce was just really, I feel like God had given us those tools in place because he knew, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what we needed. And, uh, and so it was by God's grace. So I'd say prayer. And then, um, you know, I think, I think in, there's a book called, um, beautiful constraint. Have you heard of this book? I was just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. And it just talks about how in those limitations, you really, um, you, you find, um, find some of the, yes. some of the genius that God has put in. We had, there were some genius folks on the team that, that rose up because of those constraints. So. What, a, what a great word. A great, great book. Uh, we had a guest on recently that talked about that. I went out and got it, and then I bought it for everybody I knew. It was just fantastic. So uh, we should be sponsored by them as well, and Evernote. That's right. uh, <laughs> hey, Kevin, uh, thank you uh, for not only being on, on the podcast, but for leading so well and for being somebody that I have sent a lot of people to who have moved from California to Nashville. And I know they are in good hands and they always text me back with rave reviews about your leadership, your pastoring and your church. So thanks for what you're doing, for fighting the good fight and uh, for being uh, ready and willing when that call came. So I really appreciate what you're doing and how it advances the kingdom. I'm grateful for you, Rusty. Thank you for thank you for having me on. Thank you for creating opportunity for leaders to learn. Love your heart for Jesus and your heart for leaders. And uh, yeah, honored that you'd make the time, man. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And I'd love to have you back. And we'll talk more about the tornado, uh, your partnership with uh, uh, another church in town, and just some really cool stories out of that. And. I want to hear some more stories of you printing from the wrong computer. I think that was just gold. So it's <laughs> <laughs> worth the price of admission right there. Thanks, buddy. Well, I hope you're blessed by that content and that conversation we just got to have there. Uh, so fascinating. And I've got a really interesting guest for you to hear from next week. So as always, if you could leave us a review or rate the podcast, that would be fantastic. So grateful for all of you who have done that. Thank you for your subscription. And please keep it simple. We will talk to you next week. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.